0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome today's, to today's uh, Fuel Live. Uh, we're going to go deeply into putting performance and uh, take this time that we have, you know, a good 20 or 30 minutes or so, to get into really understanding putting performance as a whole and putting all the pieces together. So when I'm coaching somebody, if I have a long-term um, time frame to work with somebody, it's, you know, we always start with the read and start with an aim point read to make sure the read's good, but that's, that's never enough generally to be a really great putter. Um, some people show up and they already have great speed and great line and great motion, and therefore they can just plug in the aim point read and suddenly become very, very good overnight. But <coughs> your typical situation is that somebody comes and their read's off, their line's off, their speed's off. Uh, their mentalities a little bit off, their concepts a little bit off, and you kind of have to piece all these things together. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna kind of take you through the process of understanding how to put together all the pieces so that you can ultimately become a really great putter, which I think pretty much anybody can if you understand what you're doing, if you understand the pieces and if you work on all the pieces. The typical issue I see is that people go out and they work on line, 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 line. So they get on uh, devices that help your start line, they get on start dates, they get on uh, Sam Putt Labs and are working on motion and line. And they, they don't necessarily pay enough attention to the other pieces, which in my uh, opinion, are can be much more important in line, namely your read process, getting good accurate reads and getting a good target and ultimately speed control. So once your read is good and your line is fundamentally sound, then really good putting comes down largely to speed control. And that's something that I see practiced the least, uh, generally speaking. And it's something that I also see as being one of the most important, especially as you get to a higher and higher level of golf, you've got to convert a ton of birdies and if your speed's not good, you're not going to do that, right? You're not going to play badly with decent speed, but you're not going to make five to six birdies around either. So ultimately you have to get the speed, but you have to have all the other fundamental pieces in place before that also to become a great putter. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of step through each of those pieces the way the way I think about them um, and the way I would train them. And hopefully that'll give you a better idea either as a coach to understand how to kind of put everything together, or as a player, um, understanding all the pieces that you need to understand so that you're not neglecting some really important parts. So here's an, uh, kind of a whiteboard with some of the ideas. Um, not, not all of the ideas, but pretty mu- a fairly uh, complete set of things you need to understand for putting. So if we look at overall putting performance, I always put down concepts first, because if you don't have good concepts, um, you're, you're going to struggle to actually perform the way you want to perform and, and accomplish the things you want to accomplish. So concepts runs across read, line, and speed. So the three main components of putting, which most people would all agree on, which is you have to have a good read to have a good target. You have to be able to start your ball on that line towards your target and you have to control speed. Now, wrapped around that are also things like um, mentality and mental state and managing stress and things like that uh, on the mental side. But we're just gonna go through these three concepts and understand, uh, first of all, I'm gonna go through and just kind of talk about some of the bad concepts in each one of them um, and then kind of what you have to work on. So if if we tackle read first, read is obviously a specialty that I do. It's something that I've been teaching for about 15 years with Aimpoint. I've taught probably five or six different versions of Aimpoint and different ways to read a putting green. Um, But the read is critically important. And there are some people who are naturally very, very good green readers, but not a whole lot, right? In my experience, I've met two or three or four people total over 15 years who just naturally had great reads and they could just see what the right line was. They didn't know how they just did. Um, but the interesting thing about a lot of those people is as they got older and their eyes changed, those naturally very good reads started to go away. They started to suddenly not see the line and they didn't understand why. And one of the big problems with that is that it's a purely visual read and a purely visual read um, will change as your vision changes over time. And, that, and it's also very subject to optical illusions. So the read process um, how you get your read, in other words, how do you predict how much the ball is going to break before you hit it? Uh, aim point is a very structured, um, fundamentally sound, um, mathematically correct way to get a good read, um, to get a good target. But if you're not using aim point, which relies on your feel, um, using your body, your feet, your hips, your knees, your shins, whatever it is, but, but detecting the amount of slope by using the uh, feel in your body, that's how we do a name point versus your vision to detect the amount of slope because your vision can be fooled so, so, so easily with optical illusions, mounding, surrounding terrain, um, trees that are kind of crooked in the background. They all screw up your your brain's ability to understand what the true slope of a putting green is. Um, The other problem with using your vision is you might be looking at it and getting an idea of which way it goes and roughly how much. But it doesn't really convert that into where to aim. So depending on the green speed and the length of putt, your, your aims are all completely different. And so you're relying purely on memory to go back and say, well, last time I saw a putt about this length with about this much slope, it broke about this much. Um, and that also depends the green speed was about the same, which makes it a very kind of long, tedious, painful process to get really good at understanding all those variations. And, and I know people who play golf for 30 years and they still don't, they still can't remember it all. Because everything's seemingly so different. Um, and on top of that, your vision just doesn't pick up the right amount of slope. So a lot of times you're just not seeing the right amount of slope and you're making des- decisions based on bad vision. So, you know, aim point, obviously, we use a field process where we're picking up the correct amount of slope to be using for the putt, because each putt there breaks like a number, but you have to get the the right number. Um, and that's what the aim point process is. Um using your feel. And then ultimately there's something that we have to deal with with conflict resolution. So conflict resolution is when, and this happens to me still, and I've been doing Aimpoint for 15 years. What happens is you do an Aimpoint read and it'll tell you a certain amount of break. And when you look at it, you don't like the way it looks. So as a player, you have experience. And again, the optical illusions kick in on this, but when you're looking at a putt and you know the physics says it has to break three feet, but you look at it and you go, there is no way that actually breaks three feet. Um, what happens is your brain, you have to make a decision. Like, are you gonna go kind of fly by wire and play the amount of break that the read tells you, or are you gonna go with your vision? And a lot of people, what they do when they have conflict like that, they either say, okay, I'm just gonna play the three feet of break, but then they pull it or push it to a a line that they're more subconsciously comfortable with, or they'll just completely override the aim point read and hit their own their own read that they're comfortable with, looking at it, and usually that ends up being wrong. So. It takes time to understand how to deal with conflict when you have confl- conflicting reads when your eyes don't like it. Uh, it's taken me a long time, and I still sometimes struggle with it, but the more you do it, the better you bet, get, where um, if you trust your read process and you trust your numbers and you trust that the physics is right, which, which it is, um, then you kind of have to just play the amount of break that the point read gives you versus kind of second-guessing it and doing your own thing. <clears throat> now, what are some of the bad... Uh, concepts with read right, and the first bad concept is that <clears throat> the ball has a lot of vari- a lot of variability and just random behavior and how it rolls, and and I fought with this since I was um, started AimPoint in 2003. I had people saying, "Well, you can't predict what the ball does because there's pitch marks and there's grain and there's wind and there's all these you know it's all this variability and random noise in the system, <clears throat> so you can't really." reliably get a good read based on physics, based on the math, which says, if you're 10 feet across a 2% slope, it should break six inches or nine inches or whatever, depending on stem. And because we did a point on TV for about six years, we kind of proved that wrong because we didn't take into account, um, we take into account grain and wind, but we didn't take into account footprints and pitch marks and inconsistencies, inconsistencies in the green. And we got 99% accuracy, like very, very, very good results. And so, if you don't think it's you're you're able to actually predict break, that's a bad concept, right? the The, the ball behaves very, very reliably um, based on on the conditions, and of course, once in a while it's going to hit something, but it happens so rarely that you can't just throw out the whole system because that happens. Um, one of the other bad concepts that I have with Reed is that people always jump in and say, well, you know, how do you account for lakes and rivers and mountains and, you know, weird effects that they say happen only on golf courses. Uh, And that's a bad concept because the reality is is the ball only knows the how, how in balance is it as it's rolling to the hole. So the point of contact to the ground, is it in balance or out of balance? And if it's out of balance, it's going to turn towards the downhill side until it becomes in balance or stops rolling. And the faster you kind of throw out these urban legends about everything breaks a certain way because of a geographical land point, um, the faster you're going to become a better green reader. And what most people don't understand when we did Aimpoint on TV is that we never, ever considered the surrounding terrain. So we never, ever had any concept of where anything was outside the perimeter of the green. So we don't know where the mountains or the rivers or the lakes are or downtowns are or any kind of other mythical land point out there, we, we didn't know, we didn't care because it didn't affect the punt. So when people are saying that, it usually means that they're just, they just don't know. So they're getting up there and saying, I just don't really know what this ball is doing. So it must break towards the valley or it must break away from the mountains. And that's, that's a 50, 50 shot at best. You're just guessing at that point. And we don't want to be guessing. We want to be up going there, going there and do a proper read process and say the ball is rolling across X amount of slope. And therefore it's going to break Y amount. And that's the, the sooner you get to that point where you're comfortable doing that, the sooner you're going to be a very good green reader, not just a streaky good, good green reader who's good some days and horrific the other days, or they're good in Florida, but they can't read in the mountains. Um, Aim point will be consistently good kind of across the board because you're just always looking for the same information for every putt, which is how much tilt is there, and that's about it. And then you're adjusting for, for green speed or uphill, downhill, and that's about it. So, those those are two of the generally um, very bad concepts I see in green reading. Um, you know what? Finally, one of the other concepts I hear once in a while, which is which is really bad, is you know don't think about it. Just you know you you naturally can read greens properly. It's in your it's in your body somewhere. Just let it happen and flow with it. And that's a bunch of BS because we're not born knowing how to read greens. And if you don't believe that, take any kid on the putting green and have them start putting, and they have no concept to break. They aim straight at the hole and the ball breaks, and then they aim straight the hole again, and the ball breaks again, and eventually over accumulated experience, they realize it turns, but they don't know how much it turns, and it takes decades and decades to piece together all of that experience to try to figure it out. So um, I'm not a believer at all in the, it's just inside of you, let it go, kind of you know craziness. Um, but I do hear it quite a bit, but in my experience, it's, it doesn't work at all. You need a process, uh, and you need to be able to, to follow the process so that you can get consistently good reads because if you don't have a good target, you are not gonna know where to line up your ball. And if you don't know where to line up your ball, it's really hard to be a good putter, which brings us to the next uh, part of this. Okay, so let's talk about line now. So line is kind of the second piece of this uh, triangle or this pyramid, where if we know what the right target is, then the next step is to actually start the ball directly at that target. Um, the way I like to break out line is set up aim and motion. So basically, are you set up in a way that lets you fundamentally aim the putter where you want to aim it and move the putter without twisting it. So the whole idea was start line is you wanna be able to pick the right target through the read, aim your putter face at, or very close to that target, um, and ultimately start your ball at that target without twisting the face. So if you have a really good aim and you can aim at the target, then you wanna be able to move the putter back and forward without the face twisting to a different direction. It's not very few people aim perfectly. So a lot of people aim a little bit left or a little bit right. And then they have a net opening or closing motion, which is fine as long as it's consistent. So if you consistently aim one degree right and you consistently close the putter during your motion one degree, then you end up starting the ball where you want and that's fine. So one thing you need to be very careful about with your aim is that, you know, I like people to aim within one degree of accurate. Otherwise, your motion has to make too big of an adjustment during the swing to to uh, adjust for a, a bad aim. Um, but one degree or closer is kind of tour level, so we're we're okay with that. But but the idea is you've got to be able to consistently move the putter back and forth with either not twisting the face at all or coming back to within one degree, ideally open or closed relative to your aim, um, to where you're starting the ball where you want. So starting line is the most important. It's not, do you aim perfectly and have a perfectly neutral face? It's, do you start the ball where you want? And so you have to be careful with a lot of these tools out there that measure your stroke because it, it knows where you're trying to aim. You know, It knows where uh, you are aiming. It kind of knows your net open or close. But as a coach um, or as a player, you want to be able to just say, hey, I'm starting that ball exactly where I want to start the ball. So I'm not going to get in there and monkey with my setup and with my motion if it's starting correctly. Now, if you can't start it correctly, you've got to figure out why. So usually that's a combination of aim or, or motion. Um, you have to know where you tend to aim. So some people aim well. Some people are always right. Some people are always left. Some people are always high uh, of the hole. But it's more typical that, that people tend to be um, right or left aimers. Um, So if you're aiming right and starting the ball right, that's an aim issue. If you're aiming right and start the ball straight, you're fine. Leave it alone, right? So if you have a consistent miss right or left due to aim, then you need to figure out aim. And the easiest way to fix aim is really with setup. So if we go back to our setup line, it's really about eye position over the ball, um, ball position to some degree, you can certainly affect your natural sense of aim by changing the ball closer or farther from you or moving it forward or backwards. Um, I'm not a huge fan of moving the ball position if it's already in a good position, cause now it's starting to affect launch dynamics, but it is definitely a way, um, to change your sense of aim, especially closer and farther from you. Uh, you can also change it with head position, to, um, depending where your head neck and chin are, that will dramatically affect your aim as well. And you can also affect it with, um, putter configuration. So how much loft, how much lie, Um, What type of putter? Are there lines on the putter? Is it a mallet? Is it an answer style? Those all affect aim also. The size of your grip can affect aim. So because aim is such a delicate um, dynamic that you're dealing with with putting, you have to be very careful about going and changing stuff all the time. So if you go in and change your putter or change the graphics or change the grip or change the loft, your aim can get out of whack. And if your aim gets out of whack, then you're going to naturally start changing your motion to catch up with it. So for example, let's assume that you're a, a right aimer and you start the ball on online. So you're, you're okay with your start line. And then suddenly you make some change, to your equipment or your setup, and suddenly you're aiming straight, but missing everything left because you have a net closing motion. Well, now your aim is good and you're starting to have a left miss. And so your brain is gonna say, you're either gonna start dynamically aiming right again, or you're gonna start manipulating the putter face to be more neutral at impact versus close to the impact where you historically have been that can kind of become a chicken and the egg nightmare, frankly, uh, what caused it, um, bad aim or bad motion. You know, sometimes we don't know what caused your miss. It's just one is reacting to the other and you've got to try to balance those two things out. So you have to be very careful with your your setup because that has a huge effect on aim, which then has a huge effect on motion. So they cascade into each other. As far as motion goes, you know, we're just trying to move the putter back and forward at a certain speed without Changing the face orientation. So, or changing it to match our starting line is really the idea. So, generally speaking, you know, the 95% of your start line is determined by your face impact, not by your path. Now, certainly your path can change your face at impact. There's no question about that. But you can have a, you can have kind of a really wonky, weird stroke. And as long as your face is pretty square at impact, the ball's gonna come off pretty square, minus maybe a little bit of side spin here and there, but it's gonna come off pretty pretty square where you want it to be. Um, so as you start diagnosing motion, if you consistently have an inside out push path or a pull path or something like that, you've gotta figure out, kind of go back eighty to your setup. Is something in your setup causing that? Or are you manipulating your arms and shoulders and, and spine position through the stroke to, to cause that to happen? So something I see very common is people through the putting stroke lean back, right? So they, they as they're as they're moving the putter forward, they're leaning back with their spine. That tends to cause an inside-out motion, which tends to cause a push. Um, very, very, very common that I see that. You also see people manipulating their hands and wrists, which can change the face at position at, at impact. And so, what we want to establish with a motion is just a very neutral m- movement. You know, we want to keep our spine still. We want to keep our elbows and our hands pretty still. Um, I don't mind a little bit of softness in the wrist. That's fine as long as you keep the face square when you do that. Um, but you've got to you've got to say what is the motion that's happening that I don't like. So, for instance, an inside out push. What is the setup? position or what is what am I doing through the ball back and forward that's causing the, the shaft to go inside out, which is causing an open face. Um, that's kind of where mechanical putting training or, or coaching really kicks in is you've got to be able to diagnose that and then figure out what is the player able to do. In other words, there's usually multiple ways to fix a certain motion problem, but some players are so burned in with moving a certain way, it's really hard to fix that. So it might be better just to deal with setup or aim than trying to completely unwire a um, motion that they've been doing for 20 years. Now, what are some of the bad concepts um, with, with line? Uh, let's just start with setup. You know, Some of the bad concepts I see with setup is eyes over the ball. Um, I know very, very, very few good players and good putters who line up with their eyes over the ball. Um, typically, people who... Line up with their eyes directly over the ball. Don't aim straight; they tend to aim right or left, but not straight. Uh, I see much better aiming when the by- eyes are just inside the ball, over the hosel, um, roughly over the hosel, but not over the ball itself. Uh, there are always exceptions to that rule. It's not a rule; there are always exceptions to that. But I'd say you know ninety-eight percent of every tour player I've taught sets up with the eyes inside the ball. Um, another poor concept is um, for motion: is straight back, straight throw. So everybody I've met who has a concept of trying to move the putter straight back and straight through has kind of nasty cut stroke. Um, it always ends up into kind of a tilty, pulling your arms out, putter head goes outside and they're coming back through. And if they're if they're not twisting the face and they're missing left or they're hanging on to it and holding the face open and kind of fanning it back to the right, uh, and it's kind of nasty motion. Um, and anybody who I've worked with who tries to be straight back, straight through, we're eliminating that concept because it's out there a lot, but the putter is not designed to move straight back, straight through the putter has a lie to it. Your spine has a lot, has a lie angle to it. And so it's designed to move on a a small arc. Um, And if you move on an arc, then you don't have to manipulate your arms and and body to keep it straight back and straight through. Very, very hard thing to do. Um, So if you have either of those concepts, I would suggest um, thinking otherwise about, about what you're doing there. Um, And as far as aim concepts go, you know, aim, aim can be very individual, you know, so you've got to figure out what setup um, creates a good ball roll, but also helps you aim dynamically well. Even if you're using the line on your ball to aim, it's good if you naturally see a straight aim, because if you. If you line the ball up perfectly and then you get over the ball and it looks left, you're going to subconsciously push the putter open the face to get it back. So you really want the line of the ball to sync up with your natural sense of aim. Um, And that is largely has to do with body position and ball position. Um, And there's everybody's a little bit different. There's no hard and fast rules about that. Um, But you've got to experiment a little bit for yourself to see how do I see the ball? How do I see a, a straight aim? How can I just um, set up so I put my putter down so that it's pointing where I want it to be pointing and not worry about that? So then the last piece left is only speed, uh, which we will jump into right now. The last concept we're gonna talk about with putting performance is speed control. And speed is kind of the holy grail of putting where once your read and your line are really fundamentally sound, then you're really just working on speed 90% of the time, trying to dial that down to a really tight dispersion pattern, uh, especially for making putts 20 feet in, and then on lag putts, just getting it as close as humanly possible. Um, speed, we can break down really into the length of your stroke versus your acceleration. And so the if you have a 10 foot putt and only take it back five inches, you're gonna have to accelerate really hard through the ball to get it to go 10 feet. If it's a 10 foot putt and you take it back 12 inches, you can have a very slow, easy acceleration through the ball. Um, There there is a balance between stroke length and acceleration that will produce a a given ball speed, um, but some are easier to produce than others. In other words, some people prefer short and quick, some people prefer average kind of stroke length, and some people like long and slow. There isn't, one's not necessarily better than the other, but there are some that are better suited for different conditions. So the short, quick people, Um, tend to be that way because they grew up or they played on slower greens and they had to hit more at the ball. Whereas the really kind of slow, smooth people tend to do grow up and play on faster greens where they're just gently rolling the ball and they're not creating a whole lot of club head speed. When I test people and we do this um, more often than not, somebody who's got poor speed, their stroke is too short. And so they're not taking back far enough and then trying to accelerate through it. They are not; they can't create the club head speed they want because they don't have enough space. They don't have enough room in this in the swing to create the club head speed they want. Um, generally not a big deal, 15 feet and in, but by the time you get to 25, 30 feet or uphill putts or slow putts, they have a really hard time getting the ball to the hole. So they end up being very short with their putt and then they start Whacking at it really hard and accelerating super hard, and then it goes way too far. So, I have a very inconsistent acceleration because they've underpowered their stroke. So, when I first start working with somebody, I, I want to make sure their stroke length matches or is kind of appropriate for the putt they're hitting. Um, and appropriate for a ten-foot putt is you know six inches on the very short side and about um, ten inches back, kind of on the on the longer side. So, if you're dramatically outside those ranges, you're you're probably out of bounds a little bit on on how far your putter is going back and then your accelerations are gonna get a little weird on that. Um, those take training and it's good to be able to putt in different ways. So it's good to be able to go slower or faster because that will help you adjust faster to changing green speeds. So one of the easiest ways to adjust the green speeds rather than only changing your uh, the length of your stroke is to, is to change the acceleration of your stroke. So in other words, on faster greens, you can just slow everything down a little bit. You can therefore kind of keep the same stroke length for a 10 footer, but just slow your motion down. And that adjusts actually very well. Um, your other option is to shorten up your the stroke length. So if, if you go from slow greens to fast greens and you're hitting a 10 footer and everything's going too far, you, you know, your options are the shorten, shorten up your stroke length or slow down your acceleration or both. And the reality is if you're just shortening your stroke, you're you're talking about three quarters of an inch shorter. So you're talking about a very minute amount of change to your stroke, which most people cannot feel. Um, But if you have people slow down their acceleration or slow down their timing, they can usually feel that much, much better than having a a minutely smaller or shorter stroke length. And so I like to experiment with that and kind of give people the option. Um, I think good players in reality do a little bit of both. Uh, they're not, they're not robots with stroke length, they're not robots with acceleration either. And the reality is after you get to a certain length putt, you can only take the putter back so far. You know, you can't continue to take the putter back 10 more inches, 10 more inches, 10 more inches, 10 more inches. Um, there's usually a kind of a hard limit to, to your stroke length with a putter. And then the only way to actually get the ball going where you want on a long putt, let's say a 50 foot uphill, putt, is to actually hit at it harder. So. Generally, we're talking 20, 25 feet in where you really want to have good consistent speed because we want to be hitting the hole. We want to be making a lot of birdies. We want to be making a lot of par saves and that kind of short to mid-range par save area. Um, And if you have a fairly consistent length and acceleration there, but have the ability to move off of that, so you have the ability to change your stroke length a little bit or change your acceleration and timing a little bit, it will make you a more adaptable green reader. It'll make you much more adaptable to changing conditions which most of us have to deal with changing conditions. Uh, unlike a tour player who's playing 11, 11 and a half week in and week out, we can go anywhere from eight, 12, you know, in a casual round of golf. And day to day, it can be very different also depending on weather conditions. So that's something I work quite a lot on and make sure that the um, player understands what the trade-off is and between how long their stroke is so they can be comfortable and how consistent they get results. So kind of the last thing on this bullet list um, is consistency. And obviously, you know, a big thing we need is we need the we need consistent speed, right? We need to have you be able to deliver the ball a certain distance consistently. It doesn't have to be hundred percent of the time, but 20 feet in, it should be 90% of the time, 10 feet in for a really good player should be 98% of the time. Um, and that's harder than it looks. Um, but it's something that with, consistent motion and consistent acceleration that you can do, um, impact location on the putter face can definitely change it. Uh, but impact location, if you're, as long as you're consistently hitting the putter face where you want, it's going to come off consistently the same speed. What gets different, difficult if your impact location is all over the place, that can definitely change some, some speed dynamics, um, even though your accelerations are the same, your stroke length is the same, the ball can come off different speeds because you're hitting the putter face in a different spot or if your uh, dynamic loft changes. So if you're hitting up or hitting down on it, that can also change your speed. But generally speaking, you know, the big problem with speed is just balancing out stroke length and acceleration and timing and then understanding how different putts play. So up, you know, 20 feet side hill is very different than 20 feet downhill. Um, 20 feet downhill on a stem 8 is very different than 20 feet downhill on a stem 10 or a stem 12. Um, that takes some training and that takes some understanding. Uh, it helps a lot to do timing drills. And the timing drills are basically understanding the rollout time uh, of the ball. In other words, if you, if you count off how many seconds it takes the ball to roll to the hole, what you'll most people dramatically underestimate it. So they say it takes three seconds when it really takes six. And by adding a timing dimension to it, you can become um, much more accurate at understanding uphill downhill changes because you've added the dimension of, of time or rollout time, which then translates into rollout speed and you can visualize it better and you can understand better how the ball is behaving and how long the ball is rolling out. So, if you're trying to put together a overall putting performance training plan or practice plan, you really need to con- consider and add in all three of these pieces. And how much of these pieces you're adding in will depend on how much you're lacking in each one. So, usually, once people learn aim point, their read gets really good pretty fast, and then they can go for focus more on line and speed. Um, in my experience, speed is the number one problem, the number one reason people miss, at a, especially at a higher level, is speed control. So at A high level of golf, it's probably eighty percent speed and ten percent read and ten percent line. Um, if somebody has no read process, it could be eighty percent read, you know, or it could be thirty read, thirty percent read, thirty percent line, thirty percent speed. Just kind of depends what level of golf and and what your skill level is at each one of these pieces. But you need to you need to tackle all of them. And a lot of people think their reads are good and they're not. And a lot of people think their lines are terrible and they're not. Um, not. A whole lot of people think they have good speed, in my experience, because it, it it takes so long. Even people with good speed seem to say they don't have good speed. But if you want to if you want to really perform at a high level, your speed has to be very good. And it's probably the thing I see practice the least, and it's probably the most important thing. So if there's anything you do when you go practice putting, I would practice speed control over all else, um, because that's going to be your number one um, miss problem, whether it's mid range putts or lag putts, particularly. Um, short putts or speed should be good. Doesn't have to be perfect and get away with it. But by the time you get to mid range putts, you have to have good speed. And by the time you get to lag putts, you have to have good read and speed for sure. If you just want to get close. So have a, have a, uh, consideration for your own game or for your student's game. Um, make sure you're assessing each one of those and kind of figuring out, are they performing where they need to perform? And if not, you've got to figure out which piece is causing the problem and then dive into that and see if you can fix it. That is uh, the only way to become a consistently great putter. Um, And then once you do that, then it's just a matter of maintaining that over time. So it's maintaining your line, maintaining your speed. Um, The read usually, the read is the read. Once you know the read, you really don't have to mess with it a whole lot anymore after that. It's really more of maintaining setup, aim and motion, and then just constantly drilling and constantly working on speed control. All right, I hope that is helpful for you. And if you have any questions, let us know.